You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, we also have one of the original members of the show, John Kegley, on with us. We are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome into Free Agent Friday. A special thank you to everyone who's checking out the show for the first time, and another special thank you to everyone who is checking back in with us again and all of our loyal fans. We really appreciate you guys. It's Friday, so you guys know we're going to be getting into some free agents. If you don't already, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from, just because it is a daily format, and that's the fastest and easiest way to get the show Today for our Free Agent Friday, we're going to be getting into ESPN's game plan for all 32 teams. Shelly Smith outlined the game plan that she had for every position for the Chargers going into free agency. So we'll take a look at some position groups of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, look at the defensive side and the special teams as well in the second and third segments and talk about if we agree with the game plan they have for it and how important it is the Chargers bring in guys or bring back guys for each of those positions. So excited to get into that. And then next week, We'll be full-blown free agent frenzy, and we'll be getting into you know, the guys that we like, who would top our free agency list, and much more as we ramp up to the open period for players to start signing with teams. But today, we're going to start the show by talking about Tom Telesco's press conference that he had for the team, and a lot of interesting things he had to say. I mean, there was a lot of very uninteresting things he had to say as well, because he can only say so much, and we all know how tight-lipped that he is. But he did have some comments about the offensive line that we have to get into, what he is looking to bring into the team to address some major issues from last year's roster, and also get into the type of contracts that he sees some players assigning going forward, given this uncertain salary cap year that we're in right now. So let's go ahead and get into it. Tom Telesco spoke with the media for about 30 minutes on Thursday, and he had some very interesting things to say, but I think, guys, there's only one place that we can start, and it was his comments on the offensive line. And it can really go either way here, because, of course, Tom Telesco is not going to show his cards. He's not going to tell everyone exactly what he feels like this roster needs or who exactly he's going to target and how high he is going to target them but some of the comments that he made about the offensive line were pretty telling I mean him saying I don't know if we're a better offensive line away from winning a championship yeah you're not I mean (laughs) that's probably true but still probably not something that you want to hear from the general manager who who in his whole time as the Chargers general managers in eight seasons it's hard to argue that he's had an above average offensive line and maybe all but one season maybe you could say that about 2018 but even then I think that might be a stretch so David I know we know he likes to keep his cards close to the vest but this is still not something that you really want to hear out of his mouth it's not because it just seems like he's not taking it as seriously as everyone else is and everyone he does it's not like it's like he doesn't realize or acknowledge that it's a serious problem I mean we were talking before we went on to the show and what, he's had one good offensive line, maybe 2018, in his, what, seven years of being the general manager of the Chargers? It's, it's just not acceptable. And to, just to hear that there isn't uh, that much of a point of emphasis or a sense of urgency about improving the offensive line. And yeah, you never know what Tom is going to do at the end of the day. He is 
the probably the most secretive person that I've ever seen in the NFL. You just really don't know what or how to read the guy. But it just seems like you, it would be easy to just say, hey, yes, we know the offensive line is something we need to fix. And yes, we are going to do it. But we didn't even get that. And it just came off pretty condescending. You know, it was kind of like, I know what you guys think that we need. And our list looks a little bit differently, right? He did talk about the offensive line in the upcoming draft and saying that it is a deep draft and most everyone is looking at the first round for the Chargers to take one, but they are looking through all seven rounds to find depth for the team. But you don't just need depth, Tom. You need starting quality offensive linemen, and you're only going to get that for the most part at the top of the drafts in days one and two. So yeah, I think it is alarming that he's kind of being acting like this about it because it's like you're acting as if it's been good. You're acting as if it hasn't been the one main problem spot for your team. Yes, you have to build an entire roster, but with Justin Herbert back there, that should be you know offseason priority number one. And maybe it is, and maybe he's downplaying and all those things, but it's hard to have confidence in that because we haven't seen it from Tom Telesco. I mean, most of the moves he's made have been swings and misses as far as the offensive line goes outside of a few handful of exceptions. But I just thought it was pretty funny that he wanted to downplay that part of it when, yes, I mean, the fans are right. The media is right. The Chargers need to majorly upgrade this offensive line. It didn't seem like that was the top of his priority list, at least from what he said, obviously knowing he's not going to tell us everything. But he also talked about what he is trying to look for to try to build this team up and improve on last year's roster. And two of the things he talked about offensive and defensively, John, were on offense, they were not running the ball efficiently, especially in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations. They were not good in those areas. Hey, one thing that really helps that is the offensive line. And then on defense, he talked about Getting after the quarterback and getting takeaways were not good enough in 2020. So those are the areas that they want to improve. And that's obvious, but I do think that kind of shows you what they believe they need to bring in. And in this case, it sounds like corners, pass rushers, and offensive linemen. It really just sounds like they need to improve the trenches. If you have an offensive line, you have better offensive efficiency. If you have a defensive line, you get pressure on the QB, which results in more turnovers. It's not rocket science. But Telesco seems to never really build the trenches. He's found some pretty decent defensive backs. He's found some pretty decent linebackers. He's found one really good pass rusher, and that's Joey Bosa. And then some decent skill at the wide receiver, some decent running backs. Like you've got Austin Eckler from undrafted free agency. But yeah, for some reason, you can't put together an offense or a defensive line. It's something that you really need to focus on. I don't care what other aspects you have. I don't care what your press conference looks like in your head. You need to be looking at the offensive line and the defensive line because whatever you have there can decide everything. You could have some pretty average corners, but if you got a defensive line that can cause pressure, those average corners are probably getting the most interceptions in the league because QBs are just trying to make something happen and it just falls into someone's hands. They don't got to make a play. It has to fall in their hands. The trenches do that. And I think one thing you just wanted to hear come out of Tom Telesco's mouth in this situation is, hey, I haven't done a good enough job building in the trenches. I haven't built the offensive line as good as it needs to be. And I think if he starts it off by saying, hey, listen, we haven't been good enough at this and we plan to be better at doing it and then says, oh, you know, we still have to think about the rest of the roster and building a complete roster. I think it's taken differently potentially. But at the end of the day, yes, of course you need corners. Of course you need pass rushers. Those two things you are abysmal at. And you have to hope that Brandon Staley's scheme can solve some of those issues. 
But there's no doubt in any of our minds that, you know, offensive line corner and pass rusher are three of the biggest needs that this team needs to address during this offseason if they really want to be in contention. But I thought another interesting thing he had to say, especially considering the climate right now for the salary cap, was he was asked if he thinks there's going to be a lot of one-year deals, David. And Tom Tolesco is not known for one-year deals. If you look at Thomas Davis, it's a two-year deal. Tyrod Taylor two-year deal, Denzel Perryman, Brandon Meebane. I mean, he doesn't like to give out one-year deals, and there's a good reason for it, and he explained that, yes, I mean, it is an uncertain salary cap situation. We don't know what the market is going to be yet, but at the same time, when you sign a one-year deal, you don't give yourself that cap flexibility to give yourself an out after the first year. If you give someone a one-year deal, there's a base number that you're going to have to pay them that season. You can't defer any money. You can't get out of it, you know, because the contract's going to be up after one season. So I do think he makes a good point there where you probably still will see some multi-year deals, especially with so many teams probably trying to mitigate what the cap number is going to be in 2021. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know Tom Telesco and Ed McGuire like to build in their patented ripcord, which they do after a two- or three-year deal. I mean, they build that in right in the middle or after the first year. That way, you know, they can get out of the contract and they they don't have to worry about having all of that money on on the on – the, on that same year cap, they can spread it out and and they can you know give themselves some flexibility in that regard. Like and really, they did the only Travis Benjamin released the same situation. Yes, exactly, and they've done it in many of their contracts. It's just a, a way they protect themselves. Yeah, you see them give out some pre- pretty big money deals, but a lot of the times they have that you know ripcord play in place just in case. Because I mean, in the NFL, this is a, a year-to-year thing. People can play well and they can play really badly. So you you know, this is just in an effort to protect the Chargers from you know that kind of thing happening. So yeah, you're, I think you're going to see a lot of those multi-year deals, especially in a year where there's a lot of cap mystery. They just don't know what the number is going to look like. We've already seen a lot of cuts around the league, and I think we're going to see a whole lot more. But as far as contracts are concerned, I do think there is going to be more multi-year deals than one-year deals because of that. Yeah, and he had some very interesting comments about, you know, whether he thinks a lot of teams are going to have to make significant cuts, and we've already seen that start to happen. And he maybe implied that some big cuts could be coming at a position that we maybe weren't expecting it to come from, and we're going to get more into that as we break down ESPN's game plan for the Chargers free agency. We'll kind of wrap up some Tom Telesco quotes in those position groups as well, and we're going to start getting into the offensive side of the ball coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football may be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Whatever you're trying to bet on, you can find it on BetOnline.ag, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can even get free money, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, for your 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. All right, guys, well, it is free agency Friday, and next week will be free agent frenzy because pretty much all week we'll have some sort of free agent show coming out for you guys, whether it's, you know, our favorite targets in free agency, maybe some low-key targets the Chargers could bring in for cheap. And we'll get into the guys that haven't been released yet up until this point from their teams, but their teams will end up cutting them next week 
due to all these salary cap limitations. So the pool will get bigger next week as well, but we'll have a lot of that coming for you guys. But today, I wanted to focus on something I saw from ESPN, which is just the game plan for the Chargers in free agency from Shelly Smith, who covers the Chargers for ESPN. And we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. I don't want to get too much into the quarterback position because we've all kind of given our stances on bringing in a veteran quarterback. I think John was the only one that said he'd be okay with Easton Stick being Justin Herbert's backup, just so you don't have to pay a lot of money for that position. But I do think the running back part of this is interesting here because the Chargers have four running backs on here under contract. Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, and Darius Bradwell. And they also have Kalen Balazs as a restricted free agent. So they could probably bring back Kalen Balazs if they really want to, John. But as far as the game plan goes, Shelly Smith says Eckler, who was highly effective as a pass catcher and a runner, was hurt for a large part of the 2020 season but came back strong and seems to be healthy. The Chargers might want to add a more bulky, traditional running back to complement him. And I just think that in this case, if they do that, I'm not saying it's a bad plan, but what does that mean for, you know, Darius Bradwell or Joshua Kelly? Do you still think they are looking for that straight line runner, that bigger guy that can complement Austin Eckler? I think they do. Uh, I think they are still looking for that kind of running back. I think Eckler is still your RB1, but you still need to have another type of running back or else you're just the same type of running play every time, if that makes sense. Like when you had LT, Turner, and Sproles, you had a guy that could hit the hole and make one cut and go. You had a guy that was full of power, and you had a guy that was just really elusive and could be used in the screen game or however you wanted to use him. In this case, we have three guys that are all kind of like that. One's just a little bit stronger than the other. You you kind of just have the same type of running back, just one just has a little bit better attribute, if you will. One's stronger, one's a little bit more quicker. But if you can find that one guy who just hits a hole and goes – you probably have a way better running game, especially if you improve this offensive line. You have Eckler, who's slippery, elusive, and then a guy who can come in and be the RB2 who just hits the hole and runs just straight ahead. We talked about the running back, Jarrett Patterson, from Buffalo, who was a guy who hits the hole and just keeps on going. He's a small little guy, but he's that guy who just hits the hole and runs forward. He'd probably be a good compliment. Do you want to raise the draft pick on him? No, but you want to run him back in that type of, that type of running back on your team. I think that you could always add you know, talent to the position, and I don't think that the running back group is the most talented group that the Chargers have. I do think they could use some kind of diversity of skill sets there as well. I think the biggest question is how much you want to spend on it. I think you can find a complimentary back for Austin Eckler in undrafted free agency on the cheap for a veteran's minimum. I don't think you have to go and sign somebody big or use a top draft pick to do it. Maybe Tom Telesco feels differently because he looks at that inefficient running game but so much of that had to do with the offensive line as well. It's kind of hard to evaluate the Chargers runners just say on their it running louder. abilities. Please say yeah, it louder for the people of in the, the back. Line. Yeah, spoiler alert. If your offensive line isn't good, it's going to be hard for any running back to be able to run the football effectively. And when every team knows you're running it on third and one, it also becomes very, very hard to run the football effectively. Those were obviously big issues, but... I want to look at the wide receivers now because Shelly Smith basically put that she doesn't think that they need any more wide receivers, David, but that you could always kind of add a speedy wide receiver that's never going to hurt. But my biggest question is, okay, you can bring in a wide receiver, but in that scenario, David, you have six guys under contract right now. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, KJ Hill, and Joe Reed. I think we both believe that KJ Hill and Joe Reed are probably at the bottom of that pile. Obviously, all of their contracts are fully guaranteed as far as KJ Hill and Joe Reed because they were drafted by the team. You're not going to save any salary cap money, but 
if one of those guys were to have to be released to make space for a new wide receiver coming in, and that we talked about it, the Chargers have, you know, met with a ton of wide receiver prospects already. Who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. But based on the usage last year, I, I mean, it has to be Joe Reed, right? I mean, at first they had him as the kick returner, and that was something that he could uh, hang his hat on, that he did really well in college, a Jet Award winner for the best kick returner in the country. But then slowly but surely that gets taken away from him, and then, you know, you don't see him on offense at all. So, you, I mean, at least towards the end you saw K.J. Hill get involved a little bit. But, I mean, I think if it's uh, between those two guys, I think Joe Reed's the more vulnerable guy just because we haven't seen him on the field produce um, in any aspect, really. I mean, the Chargers coaching staff obviously didn't really trust him very much to go out there and get the job done. So if the Chargers you know, use a, a late-round draft pick on a speedy wide receiver or, or something like that, I would say that Joe Reed should definitely feel like he needs to fight for his spot because, yeah, they're under contract, but they're not making very much at all. So it's not going to really cost the team that much to pull the plug on either one. And I'm wondering if the reason they're looking at all these wide receivers in the draft is because, as Telesco mentioned, they're not, they don't have good gunners from last year. So what if they're trying to find a speedy receiver to be that guy, that Kasim Osgood, Seiya 0-2-2 type that was just flying down there from the wide receiver position? and played really good special teams like Anthony Schwartz with all that speed could fly down there and force a lot of fair catches and stuff like that. Like maybe that's why they're looking at these guys. Well, either way though, they're probably not likely to keep seven. I mean, potentially they would if the other guy is just completely special teams. But I think what that also tells you is KJ Hill and Joe Reed weren't good enough as gunners or, you know, they didn't feel comfortable enough for those guys to play well enough on special teams for them to, you know, prove their spot on the team and prove they can be beneficial in that area. And I think whoever gets that last spot will have to bring some special teams value. And for Joe Reed, he wasn't used as a wide receiver and Nazir Adderley returned kicks better than him. So I think when you look at those two factors, I don't know how he's not probably the guy on the bottom, even though I think his skill set is there. I think there are effective ways to use him. I just don't think we saw it from this last coaching staff, but let's move to the tight ends because she puts for the tight end game plan. They may have to franchise tag Hunter Henry for a second straight year to keep him, or the Chargers could let him go and take their chances. But considering that he caught 60 passes for 613 yards and four touchdowns as Herbert's safety net, I'd keep him. I agree with that for the most part. I mean, I, we talked about it yesterday that like if you don't bring back Hunter Henry, obviously you save some money at the position. You can allocate those resources elsewhere, but you're down a starting tight end. And this isn't necessarily the draft or free agency class where you're going to find really good talent at that position that you feel good about having a young guy for the future. I do think it was very interesting, though, what Tom Telesco said about Hunter Henry's franchise tag situation because he was asked about the franchise tag and he said, this might be a hard year to use the franchise tag because guess what? If they tag him, it's going to be $12.7 million against the cap in 2021 with the lack of flexibility right now. Because of the other guys they have to bring back, I do think that could be a big factor if they don't end up franchising tagging him. And then they'll have to try to work out a deal before he hits the open market. But we can't talk about position groups unless we talk about the offensive line. And you are, you have Forrest Lamp, Ryan Groy, Sam Tevy, and Dan Feeney all becoming unrestricted free agents. The only guys who have started that you're bringing back are Brian Bulaga, Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton, I guess, technically, and Trey Turner. Oh, I guess Squat Questenberry started a game, just not last year. But not a great group that you feel super confident about. I don't even feel super confident about bringing back all of those guys, John. But the one thing I had an issue with is at the end of the game plan for Shelly Smith, she said they need to protect Herbert and Will, 
either through free agency or the draft in April, when I think we're all we all know at this point, it can't be one or the other. It has to be both. It does. You got to find uh, you got to find that uh, what's the word happy medium, I guess, right? Of spending sure. money while also drafting. You got to make it bold because you're not going to draft what four or five offensive linemen, and you're not going to sign four or five linemen out of free. To agency hell, either. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you got to find that balance. You got to find okay, what can I get in free agency? That's good for the cap, but also brings experience while also getting some new, fresh blood that I can just develop over the years, but but can also both be productive. If you're just looking at one or the other, then you're just going to set yourself up for failure, really, because you either get a bunch of offensive linemen from free agency who have been in the league for a little while, so that means their bodies are beaten down a little bit. Even if it's a guy has been in the league for four or five years, his body's still beaten down, so there's a chance at injury. And if you're bringing in four or five guys from all over the place, they've all been in different offenses and you have to teach them all up. Whereas if it's a guy who comes straight out of college, you teach him your playbook and over four years, he becomes your guy. Whereas a free agent, he could be there one year, two year, three year. You got to have a different mixture of these guys. And eventually you have to have nothing but your own drafted offensive line. That's, that's eventually what you're trying to come to. Yeah, that's what you're trying to build. And I think that, you have to supplement that in free agency like Telesco talked about. You know, you want it to be your own guys and you want to be able to supplement it through free agency without having to try to build it in free agency. But with the amount of talent that's out there on the offensive line, we talked about Gabe Jackson yesterday. Larry Warford's a guy that makes a ton of sense spending time with Joe Lombardi in New Orleans. You also have Corey Lindsley out there. I don't know if they'll be in play for the big guards like Brandon Sheriff or either Joe Thune either, but... I do think that there's plenty of guys out there that they can go get, and even if you draft, you know, even if you sign an Alejandro Villanueva in free agency, I mean, you could still take a tackle with the 13th pick. You could take an Elijah Vera Tucker, who you could have play inside and be, you know, your left tackle of the future potentially in a couple years as he develops. He could probably start at left tackle day one too. But, I mean, you can still draft even if you bring in guys in free agency. There still has to be at least a few different offensive linemen that get drafted in 2021. But we do have an entire side of the ball that we still have to get into. So we're going to get into ESPN's game plan for the defensive side of the ball in free agency for the Chargers coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you need any type of auto part, I've told you guys before, there's only one place to go. And for me, it's all about price and convenience. And that's the things I love most about rockauto.com, the only place I buy any of the parts I need for my cars. It is the most convenient place that I have found to get car parts. All you have to do is go to the website, put in the type of car you have, and in a few easy clicks, you'll have something being delivered right to your door. I mean, it's super simple. Even for someone like me who isn't good with cars, I was able to do it, so I know you guys will be able to do it. And I know that you will get the best price because whether you're a daily driver or a mechanic, you always get the same price at rockauto.com. And they have everything that you need from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything that you need in a few easy clicks. And all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys, well, I want to continue this conversation about the Chargers game plan for free agency in 2021. This was done by ESPN's Shelly Smith, who covers the team, and she broke down position by position what she thinks the Chargers should do in free agency. And I want to start here with the defensive line, because 
You still have a lot of guys under contract here, but it doesn't mean you don't need to add more talent. You still have Joey Bosa, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Cortez Broughton, Braden Fehoko. I mean, so many different guys. Jem- Jesse Lemonier comes up on here. Limbaugh Joseph, obviously. The only guys who are unrestricted free agents are Damian Square and Melvin Ingram. As she puts, the game plan is the Chargers are expected to let Ingram, who had 49 career sacks in nine seasons but missed much, missed much of last year to injury, go elsewhere. That's not a surprise to any of us. They also, She also said they will need to find another pass rusher who can provide explosion from either side to help Joey Bosa. And I think that we've talked about, David, I mean, the pass rusher can come from either the interior or the outside linebacker position. It doesn't really matter. I mean, maybe they go for a guy like Leonard Floyd in free agency. Maybe they try to go for a mid-tier free agent and try to turn him into what they were able to turn Leonard Floyd into last year, being able to have a career year and put up double-digit sacks before these guys end up getting paid. But one way or the other, I mean, I think the defensive line, even though you see a lot of guys coming back as a position group, the Chargers need to add talent in because their interior pass rushers last year, who was the guy? I mean, Jerry Tillery had the most sacks out of those guys. Limbaugh Joseph had zero sacks. Justin Jones had zero sacks. I mean, there's not enough pass rush on the interior, and you don't really have a sure thing as far as a, a pass rusher outside of Uchenna and Wosu comes in at linebacker. The defensive line needs more talented players. The Chargers need to get a better pass rush, and it starts there. The philosophy of Brandon Staley on the defensive line was to get Aaron Donald as many one-on-one opportunities as humanly possible. Well, that now is Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa is the focal point on the defensive line, so it's all about getting other guys that can get after the quarterback, that can open things up for him to get him more one-on-one opportunities because we know that when Joey Bosa gets more one-on-one opportunities, that's bad, bad news for opposing offensive lines. So, yes, they need to add more pass rush, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's a defensive end, a defensive lineman, it doesn't matter. They need to get people that can get after the quarterback so they can open things up and get more opportunities for their $130-plus million man. Well, right now, if you look at it, I mean, who are the above-average players on the defensive line, as they put it? I mean, Joey Bosa, Linval Joseph. Those are the only two guys that have proven at the NFL level that they can play at an above-average level. So I think that it needs talent. I think that people probably aren't talking about it enough. Even as far as a rush defense goes, they weren't special in that category either. And right now, they're going to have a lot more on their plate, and so will the linebackers as far as being able to stuff runs. But... Getting into the linebackers, I thought that it was interesting that the game plan here was they'd like to develop Murray's pass rushing skills a bit, but who knows? Murray led the team with 107 tackles last year, but was inconsistent. He gets a bit of a pass because having to learn a new system and getting up to NFL speed, but he needs to show why the Chargers traded up to draft him in the first round last year. And I think that's not really a game plan, John. Obviously, you want to see more pass rushing ability from Kenneth Murray, and he might get that at the inside linebacker position, but we have also heard that Brandon Staley said he will be an off-ball linebacker, so it'll have to be a blitz if he's going to get after the quarterback in any way, but obviously that was an underutilized part of his game last season, but I do think it is true in the sense that your needs at linebacker have a lot to do with what kind of development you see from Kenneth Murray going into year two. Because if you have Kenneth Murray and you feel good about Drew Tranquil, maybe it's not as much of a need at the linebacker position. But you obviously need much better play from Kenneth Murray and much more consistency like we saw down the stretch for you to feel good about it. Well, I think you would also need a lot better showing of a game plan to see what Kenneth Murray's going to be like. If it's going to be what we saw last year, then... 
what are you really going to get from Kenneth Murray? You're not putting him in the position that he needs to be in to be successful. It's like if you took Joey Bosa and just said, go cover zo- go cover a zone all day, go cover the flats. Are, are you really getting the best out of Joey Bosa? Because then you're going to sit there going, he didn't get double-digit sacks this year. Well, no doubt. You left him out in the flats all day covering. It's the same thing with Kenneth Murray. If you're not using him the way you need to use him, you're not getting the best production out of him. So if you're not setting him up for blitzes and setting him up to m- – cover passes passing lanes i should say passing lanes is probably the best word for this that he's good at reading and adjusting to you're just asking to want to draft another linebacker basically so i think game plan is more important in all this what you do how you use kenneth murray is going to decide how you do the rest of the linebackers if he is able to blitz and cover a certain area of the field and maybe even man cover some tight ends that are on his side you're not going to need much from the linebacker position you're just going to need someone that can compliment him like a drew tranquil if you happen to bring back Denzel Perryman, he, those three guys right there would be good complements of each other. But if if Murray's failing at say he's failing at covering tight ends, that's a weakness you have. Now you got to figure out a way to flip sides. Now is that other linebacker like a Drew Tranquil? If, if they flip sides, if they switch, if they flip on the play, is he is Tranquil going to cover the tight ends? If he is, you don't need to get another linebacker. But if none of them can cover the tight end, you need another linebacker that can complement that. Yeah, when Brandon Staley has talked about wanting running cover linebackers, and it's hard to say that either one of those guys is known for that specific ability. I mean, Kenneth Murray didn't have to cover a lot in college. Drew Tranquil was okay in his only season in the NFL that he's actually got to really play in his rookie season, but he wasn't spectacular either. So I think there's a lot of question marks there. I think there's decent depth when you have guys like Kazir White behind them. But as far as pass rushers go, the only real guy you have at that position playing outside linebacker is in Mosu which you don't feel terrible about because like he's talked about, most times you're not going to be in your base formation. You're going to have two guys on the edge and it's going to be Bosa and it's going to be Nwosu. But it sounds a lot better if you have like a Leonard Floyd, Nwosu and Bosa type of pass rush all on the field at the same time. I mean, the Chargers definitely need to add to the pass rushing position and outside linebacker is another prime candidate to be the position they try to fill it with. But the last one I want to talk about here is corners because this also harkens back to what Tom Telesco was saying in his press conference because Daniel Popper, bless his heart, always asks you know the questions maybe some other people don't want to ask, but he asked him straight up, how do you feel about your corners? And he said, I feel okay. What do you want me to say? And then Daniel Popper responds and goes, well, that's actually very telling. So thank you. So yeah, then opened up and said, you know, we have Michael Davis as a free agent. We'll see where that goes. And then Casey and those guys are here, right? I mean, that's not necessarily a ring endorsement. On here, it doesn't even have Brandon Faison on this list, who would seem to be the next guy up, or even Tavon Campbell. Both of those guys would be restricted free agents if the Chargers want to bring them back, but neither one of them shows up on here. But David, that's pretty telling that they don't feel very great where they're at a corner right now, because obviously... If you're not able to bring back Michael Davis, you have Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr., both of who have had at least one bad year in the last two years, and then the other year for Chris Harris Jr., who was mostly injured. You don't really have anyone behind that, and that's kind of what we've been yelling about this whole time. It does seem like Tom Telesco is very alert that he needs to not only you know add more to this position in the offseason, but maybe that guys like Casey Hayward Jr. and Chris Harris Jr. might not be as safe as some people think they are. Yeah, I mean, I think going into this, we all had a pretty good warm and fuzzy that at least the Chargers were going to probably cut Trey Turner because of the large salary cap and, you know, the zero hit if they do if they do make that cut. But 
Now, after hearing those comments, it seems increasingly likely that they might get rid of Casey Hayward and or Chris Harris Jr. as well. I mean, it, it is clear based off of that response that he is not happy with the level of production that the corners were able to provide last season. And they are over the age of 30, both of them. So, I mean, in the season where the Chargers are in good cap space or are in good cap shape, I should say. That doesn't mean that they're happy with who they have. So they could make they could make a situation where they have good cap space into a situation where they have excellent cap space. Yeah, and they're prime candidates. And if it happens, it's probably going to be in the next week. Casey Hayward's cap number is huge right now. But because of the way they've set this roster up, they don't have a backup plan for it. And I think that's one thing that's going to hurt them going into this year is, yeah, you could, if you had a younger guy you felt good about behind Casey Hayward, feel pretty good about cutting him. Right now, with the uncertainty with Michael Davis, I don't know how you could cut him at this point. If you cut him and can't bring back Michael Davis, I mean, according to this list, you have Dante Vaughn, John Brandon III, and Chris Harris Jr. as your top three cornerbacks. Disaster. That's not, yeah, that is a true disaster. So to get to the other two position groups that Shelly Smith talks about, she does talk about the safety position, says she wants another guy who can blitz and cover very well a bruising safety to be added to that group. I think you feel a lot better about the safety group if you bring in someone like John Johnson. You have him to pair with Derwin James. I think there would still be a little bit of a lack of depth there, but you'd feel pretty good about who you're putting out there with your starting unit. I do think they do need to add a safety, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, though. And there's a couple of guys we'll talk about next week. that Or develop Nas a little bit more, too. I mean, that's obviously another situation. If they get better production out of Nas, then maybe it's not not as big of a concern as it may seem right now. One, I mean, I think me saying this is telling you that I don't feel great about the only two safeties on this roster right now being Derwin James and Nas, right? I mean, we just haven't seen his ability to do that on a full-time basis. And even after that, though, the next guy is Alohi Gilman. So there's definitely a need at that position. I think the Chargers have to address it. And as far as the special teams go to wrap the show up here... She's, there's not a single guy that's under contract right now for the Chargers, special teams-wise. They could bring back Cole Mazza, the long snapper, Ty Long, the punter, or Michael Badgley. But all of those guys are either restricted free agents or exclusive rights free agents. So they can have them back if they want them. Do they want them back? It's hard to tell. But as she puts it, they need to bring in a bunch of kickers and snappers in the most consistent wins at each position. Definitely agree with that, but like Tom Telesco said, there's other needs on the special teams as well. Like we talked about, they need gunners, like John was talking about, like me and you were talking about before the show, David. They need more talent at those positions as well, and Tom Telesco said, hey, maybe if you're not a front-of-the-line starter, we're using more of those secondary guys on special teams to try to fix the problem, and I think that could be necessary, but also opens them up for you know injuries that would really hurt their depth. So hopefully they can bring in much better special teams players and most importantly, bring guys in that can kick the ball through the uprights and also punters who I don't really blame Ty Long because the coverage team was a mess, but bringing in a punter you feel really good about as well. So I don't think any of those guys' positions are safe and we could potentially see a new guy in each of those positions in 2021. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys next week. We will do some mock draft Monday stuff on Monday. 
probably be getting into the fourth round of the Chargers draft that we haven't got to talk about yet. But a lot of next week will be definitely very free agent heavy. We'll be getting into our favorite targets, some under the radar targets, and much more. So make sure to check back with us then. But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find us anywhere, and it's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys don't know the voicemail line for the Locked On Chargers podcast, we did get a new one today, but we need some more voicemails. The number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But we'll be back with you guys next week. Make sure to join us back again on Mock Draft Monday. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.